Hello and welcome to Dismantle Racism, where our goal is to uncover, dismantle, and eradicate racism. This show is such a dynamic show because on the show, we want to awaken you to the things that are going on around this country as it relates to race, and not just this country, but actually all over the world. And it's a show that where we understand each other and try to not other individuals. And so we want to enlighten you to the ways in which we all can engage in the work of dismantling racism. I'm so excited today because on today's show, I have Councilman Booker here along with Shakitha Miller. It is my absolute first time having two guests on the show. So I'm really, really excited to see what we uncover today. But of course, before I introduce them and we get into the show, I want to just invite you to breathe. And I invite you to do so because when we talk about racism, it has that way of help making people sort of tense up or folks will say, I don't want to talk about this every week. I don't want to hear about it. Well, the more comfortable we are talking about race, the better able we are to dismantle race. And so I want to get us in that mood, to get us in the spirit of being able to enter the conversation without anxiety and with calmness, without fear and with an open heart to say, I'm here, I'm ready Dr. TLC to do the work of dismantling racism. So I just want you to breathe in and breathe out very deeply. And I just want you to breathe in I am this. Breathe in, I am healed. Breathe out stress. Breathe in assurance and certainty. Breathe out any fear. Breathe in wisdom. Breathe out confusion. And really just take a deep breath in and breathe in energy and renewal and breathe out any doubt or exhaustion. Now take another deep breath in, breathing in hope, breathing in peace, breathing in love, breathing in the certainty to create the world that we want. Now just take a deep breath in again and breathe out and sigh it out all of the things that would interfere with the productive conversation with others that would lead to dismantling racism. And so it is, Ashe. Today, we are going to be talking about I Too Sing America. In 1925, Langston Hughes published the poem, I Too Sing America, which eloquently put into words the yearning of people of color, particularly Black people who wanted equality. Much has changed since 1925, but we still battle racism today. And one of the reasons today that I wanted to entitle this, I Too Sing America, Because I heard Councilman Kevin Booker, who is our guest today, recite this poem when we were at um, a rally last year. And at this rally, it was around Black Lives Matter. And the folks who gathered wanted to know what could they do to dismantle racism. And Councilman Booker ended his talk with I Too Sing America. And it is so relevant because while much has changed, there's much that needs to be changed. And so at the end of our program today, you will be delighted to hear Councilman Booker recite this piece as well. But today he is here with the wonderful and the amazing Sharkitha Miller, who happens to be his mother as well, who is responsible um, for all that this young man brings to the earth right now. But she is a dynamic woman in her own right. She's been on my show before and got rave reviews. So they are back today to kind of talk about 
how they have engaged in this work of social justice and dismantling racism, and to talk about what it has been like to raise, in particular for Sharkitha, what it's been like to raise Black children, Black Mm -hmm. men in particular, and what some of those dynamics are. And so I want to just say a little bit about Councilman Booker. He is the founder of Booker Empowerment. He is committed to uplifting and educating individuals. And since a very early age, he's understood the importance of helping others reach their full potential. And he's dedicated his life to doing that. And he does many, many, many diversity workshops and lectures. He teaches others, individuals, on how to engage in this conversation. He also trains men and women who have been sexually assaulted. He is uh, on the city council of the city of New London, uh, Connecticut. He serves on the board of the directors for the Anti-Defamation League. I could go on and on and on about all the wonderful things that he is doing, but we are not going to take our time reading his dossier, but I just want you to hear a little bit about what he has done. And Sharkitha Miller has been in the healthcare industry for over 42 years, and I'm sure she could talk to us a lot about ways in which to dismantle racism in our healthcare system. I am delighted because she is working on her doctorate degree um, at the Omega Graduate School of Social Leadership. She's a certified motivational speaker, a life coach. And again, I could go on and on and on reading her dossier as well. But I want to just jump right in to the question. And um, I want to start with you, uh, Councilman Booker, because for me doing this work and any work that we do in which we are passionate about, there's a grounding that needs to take place. Tell our audience what you do to ground yourself in order to fortify you to do the work that you're passionate about and particularly around dismantling racism. You know, first of all, I wanna say thank you very much for having me on your show. Um, It is a delight and honor to be on this show. And for all my listeners who are listening right now to the show, good morning. Buenos dias. Bonjour. Bonjour. Buongiorno. Nihao. Memenjes. Dobre utro. Namaste. Sowadi. Chao rem. Manga nangu manga. Como ye? Sopa wanang sung. Asalamu alaikum. Privet. Guten tag. Kalimara. And as they say in some neighborhoods, what's good? Now, the reason why I started off in those different languages is because I surround myself around positive people of all different cultures, all different backgrounds, because we're all in this together to fight the fight. Um, That's one of the number one things that I do. You know, it's not it's not just about me by myself. I surround myself around individuals of all different backgrounds who are deeply passionate about this work. You know, because when you're on a ship, you can't do it alone. And that's something I learned growing up with my my family. You know, you need to make sure you surround yourself around individuals who can empower you. And then the number one thing that I love the way you started your show off today. Um, I do breathing exercises as well. Um, And that's why I I feel so centered now for the show, because it's important to take that time to breathe, take a Mm -hmm. walk. Um, because we have so much going on, self-care is extremely important. And having individuals around you who will also encourage you and hold you accountable as well, right? So that's important as we continue on this journey. And that's what I do for myself. And that's what also I have people around me who will help me and encourage me to continue fighting the fight so that Mm -hmm. I can also be in those positions. As that old quote says, get comfortable being uncomfortable. So when I'm in those positions, when I feel a little uncomfortable, I know I got to push myself to get comfortable being uncomfortable, to be able to go in those those white spaces so I can have those conversations. And then when I feel a little uncomfortable being in that little small town, I know I'm there for a reason. God has put me there for a reason. Mm. And And I take that seriously, but I have to take time for myself, take time to make sure I'm doing well so that I can also empower others. 
Mm. Thank you for that. Actually, we're going to come back to that in just a minute, because I know that there's another practice that you have that that would be uh, powerful for our audience as well. But I want to make sure that I give Sharkita time to answer with what grounds you as well. I think the main thing that I ground myself with, um, I just started back walking and as I'm walking, I'm praying. And so I try to do four to six miles now a day. And I am praying, prayer walking as I am saying to God, thank you for giving me another day. Because in this COVID season, many people um, see, seems to be um, passing away. So I am grateful for what, I, what I'm doing. And my whole thing too is as Kevin stated, I feel grounded for helping people. I am a helper. I like to give, I like to help. And anything I can do, um, I try to do that. Um, right now I'm in a different state and I'm here to help others. I'm here to help managers and other leaders to get their um, uh, laboratory needs together. So for mm-hmm. me, being grounded is helping others. I think that's so powerful. And, and one of the things that's a common theme on this show for my guests whenever I ask this question really is about the importance of that self-care. We cannot do this work unless we take time out to, well, for me, first and foremost, is connecting with, with spirit in some way. And that's a part of the healthcare. And so I invite our audience, you know, when you engage in any work of dismantling any type of systems or just engaging in your, your passions, it is so important to be grounded in who you are and also to just connect with spirit and source. And I love that, um, you know, Councilman, when you were talking, you mentioned the support of others. That mm-hmm. is really, really important for us to do. We are going to need to in just a moment to take a break. But when we do uh, come back, Councilman, I know that you also engage in yoga. Mm. And I would love for you to just speak a little bit about that. And I'd like you to speak about that from the perspective of, I know it helps to ground you, but there are also some things that you wanted to make sure racially that you covered when you work with people and and you're doing yoga. You wanted to make sure that folks knew that yoga was for everybody. So if you could talk about that when we come back from the break, that's really critical um, for helping to dismantle racism and to dispel myths about who participates in yoga and who doesn't. So we are going to be right back uh, with my guest today, Councilman Booker and Sharkeitha Miller. This is Dismantle Racism. I'm your host, the Reverend Dr. TLC. Have you ever thought of reinventing yourself? Are you looking to create a new life's journey? Hi, I'm Kevin Barbro, host of Coffee Talk XL every Tuesday night, 5, 8 p.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Tune in live to hear me and my guests from a variety of different backgrounds. As a former college coach and a current full-time actor and owner of multiple companies, my show is as eclectic as my life. That's Coffee Talk XL every Tuesday night, 8 p.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you interested in having a better relationship with yourself, others, and God? Greetings. I'm your host, Dr. George Andow, for the show, A Journey Through Into Awareness. On my show, we journey into the awareness that the mind of God is the true seat of our personal consciousness. We join together each Monday at 7 p.m., so tune in on Talk Radio NYC. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant, and on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower.
We are back with my guest today, Councilman Booker and Sharkitha Miller. And before our break, we're talking about yoga. We were talking about what grounds you. And um, could you tell us a little bit about yoga and why you engage in the practice of yoga, Mm. Councilman Booker? Thank you very much, Dr. Avery. Um, There's a quote by Professor M.K. Asante, Jr., And he says, when you make an observation, you have an obligation. I'm going to say that for all of you, again, who are listening. When you make an observation, you have an obligation. So when I I first started observing yoga, um, I said, whoa, what is this? You know, like, I really wanted to know a little bit more about this art form. And as I got to learn about it, I learned that it wasn't just for my white counterparts. And I started learning the history of yoga, how it came from the Middle East and also from ancient Egypt as well. And when I started learning the history of it, I said, you know, this is something that I need to also embrace and embody for my own self and also encourage others along the way. So last year, I had the opportunity to go through a yoga teacher training 200 level um, where I got certified as a yoga instructor with 24, 23 other people of color. And it was phenomenal during COVID. And we all got certified. And what the, one of the things that we had to do, because we actually received scholarships for going through this, this journey to become certified within a three-month period. And we received the scholarship. We went through the training, but we had to make sure that we came back to our communities and empower our communities and be mentors for people in our communities so that they can also empower and become certified yoga teacher trainers as well. So then we can also spread self-care, understanding that being on your mat, diversifying that mat, that not just your white counterparts have to be on that mat, but you can be on that mat as well. That understanding that you can empower yourself, be healthy, and then also touch the lives of your community and encourage them as well. So it's been such an incredible journey. I learned meditation, things that I wasn't doing before. Breathing exercises like you just start begin your, 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 your program with. All these different techniques have allowed me to tap into myself, even when I have that doubt, even when I feel like I'm not confident enough about a situation, I learn to take a few seconds, a few minutes, put myself in a room, also say a mantra for myself so I can encourage myself to be a better human being, to push forward when I'm in those tough situations, when I'm dealing in those white spaces and navigating through those spaces. Yoga has gave, given me the tools that I need to continue fighting what we call white supremacy on, on so many levels. So thank you for that question. And that's absolutely beautiful because again, if we are going to engage in this work, we need to know how to stay centered and stay focused. And I think it's really important for us to also understand, uh, particularly those of us who are religious or have a deep rootedness um, Mm -hmm. with spirit is that there is more than one way to, to connect with our higher selves. Mm. Because for me, I'm the manifestation of spirit. So I have to be able to connect with that. And there's more than one way of doing that. And I think yoga is a beautiful way of doing that. So thank you for bringing that to our community and helping us to understand that it isn't just for other folks who don't look like us, right? So you certainly have done a lot in your life. Mm -hmm. Uh, You are a councilman, among other things, but you didn't just wake up one morning and decided that you wanted to be a councilman. I would imagine that your upbringing had a lot to do with that. So, Sharkeith, I want to go to you uh, just for a minute. And could you talk to me about how you instilled in your children the idea of that they were more than what the world told them that they are? Because the world says something completely different. Black men are considered endangered, dangerous, right? All of those messages that we get subtly as well as not so subtly, right? So talk to me a little bit about how you raised your boys. 
your men no. <laughs> and, and your daughter as well. Uh, sorry, I don't need to offend, but I come from a big family and we tend to say the boys and the girls, no matter how old we are. So <laughs> I have to say for me, the first, the first line of defense is that we have to um, realize that you are the mother and not just a friend. Um, I was not one of those type of mothers who said, uh, because I was a young mother, we, I didn't go out partying with my kids or mm-hmm. wanting to hang out with my kids. My whole thing of telling them consistently, I am your mother first. And I demanded respect from them, especially from uh, young men. Mm-hmm. Um, there was, I wasn't the type of woman that went out partying or um, just did things that kids would later on uh, bring to your attention as they got older, uh, putting you on this guilt. But the one thing I have to say about Kevin, I tell everyone this story. Oh my God, geez. <laughs> is Kevin had this, this way of thinking that um, because he's seen his friends wearing $100 and $200 sneakers, that he should be able to have the same thing. So one day, uh, Kevin came home and he said um, that he wanted these sneakers and he had an attitude and I was so tired. And I think Cosby show was on and my youngest son was sitting next to me watching Cosby. Kevin was ranting and raving and he's going to leave because he wanted these sneakers and da, 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 da. So what I said to Kevin was, you don't have to run, you can walk. (laughs) (laughs) So Kevin left out the door with his little book bag on, like he's leaving. Oh my God. And um, he called me like five minutes later and Kevin said to me, mom, I'm just letting you know I'm at the Salvation Army. And um, I'm going to be fine. I said, Kevin, you have three minutes to get in this house. I said three or seven minutes to get in this house. Well, whatever time it was, it was less than what I had stated. And Kevin was in the house from that day to this day. And well, let me retract that. My youngest son said to me, mom, I can't believe you're letting go. I said, if you don't shut your mouth, you're going to leave too. (laughs) So, um, I just was one of those type of mothers and Kevin came back in. And as I was going to say, from that day to this day, I've never, ever heard anything about any sneakers um, (laughs) or anything like that. He's laughing because it's, I mean, I taught them that, you know, I used to tell them Nike has more money than I dream of. I'm not going to make someone else richer. And I also Mm -hmm. used to tell them about different roads. Now you can take, go to a straight road, you can get off the road. Sometimes getting off that road is hard to get back on. But I used to tell them, look, I'm telling you, get locked up or something. I got to go to a court to hear a judge who's not going to be black tell me what I need to do. First of all, I got to hire an attorney who's not going to be black. And then I got to listen to a judge tell me what I need to do with my black son, which I'm going to really um, go off on you in the court. They're going to lock me up because I'm not having it. So I think that it starts, the grounding starts when they're young and you just have to let them know, look, this is what I'm expecting from you. These are the things I wanted you to do. And the one thing I've always said to Kevin and to his brother was the only thing I want out of you guys is to do and be successful. Get edu- be educated and be successful. Mm-hmm. And you owe me nothing. You know how some parents will say, well, you owe me. No, you owe me nothing. All you owe me is to be the best that you can be. It may not be the path I want you to be, but you be the best that you can be. So so there, there are a couple of things that come up from you saying that. And, and I didn't know she was going to tell that story. I didn't uh, know that either. So <laughs> you got to be prepared, whatever stories come out. But, you know, I can imagine that that a lot of parents have told their their sons this and they still end up with things happening throughout their lives. And so I just wanted to, to uh, first and foremost, just I'm gr- very grateful that Kevin's path took him on this road of success. It doesn't mean that he didn't have any experiences of racism on the way, 
But I think that so many Black parents have to have that talk about going before the judge or you can't do the same thing that other people do, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and we've seen quite that talk. Sometimes things happen because the system is what it is. But there is a story that Kevin told me when we were talking that I think also helps to ground your children, but it also helps um, him to have tenacity that he has and this will to help other people. Now, he explained that there's something that happened when he was six years old. That, um, so, so I will let him share that a little bit, but it, it speaks to, it speaks to your parenting and it speaks to what you instilled in him. So do you remember what we talked about, Counselor? Yeah, yes, what, absolutely. Can you share that a little bit? Yeah. So there's really two incidents, but I'll share just the one for time's sake. Um, when I was six years old, my mother actually trained me, taught me how to take the city bus by myself at six years old in the first grade with my briefcase, my suit, and I would just walk all the way up the street every morning and catch the bus by myself in the first grade. So, Mom, you can expand on that really quick. You know, what was that like and why did you do that? Well, at that time, you were in um, private school. I had you attending Catholic school and the bus that you could take would drop you off right at the school at the city bus. And the teachers will walk um, after school, walk the students to the bus stop to take the bus because the same bus came pick them up. The reason why is because I wanted him to understand if I'm not around and for some unfortunate reason, God decides to take me early. I wanted him to be able to be somewhat independent even though it was an early age, but he needed to know. And as a male, you need to know, okay, my mom left me, but I can take care of myself. So, I wanted the independency. Mm-hmm. That's what she taught me growing up. Mm-hmm. That's what she taught us mm-hmm. moving forward. The importance mm-hmm. of being independent, the importance of understanding yourself as a young Black man, navigating through these spaces. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And I imagine she gave you some techniques, some do's and don'ts. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) Yeah, if you can share briefly, my like, two of your do's and don'ts. Like, remember on the bus, when when I would get on the bus, you have to make sure you sit where? In the front. Yeah. Always sit in the front. You're not allowed to sit in the back. And the other thing is you're not talking to any strangers at all. I don't care what they say, what they ask you. You are not. Not letting me find out that you did. So, so I, I guess he must have been a quiet one. That, that's not him now, but you know, quiet? maybe as a kid. No, <laughs> no, no. <laughs> that was my tiny time. No. <laughs> no. Well, we do have to take a really quick break. <laughs> we will be back with our guests today, Councilman Booker and Sharkeitha Miller. This is Dismantle Racism. I'm your host, the Reverend Dr. TLC. Do you feel uninformed about menopause and how it impacts on your life? Hi, I'm Pat Duckworth, women's health strategist and host of the Hot Women Rock radio show, empowering women leaders at menopause. Join me every Thursday at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. UK Time on talkradio.nyc for interviews with inspirational women who will share their top tips to rock your world. Hey everybody, it's Tommy D, the nonprofit sector connector coming at you from my attic. Each week here on talkradio.nyc, I host a program, Philanthropy in Focus. Nonprofits impact us each and every day, and it's my focus to help them amplify their message and tell their story. Listen each week at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time until 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on talkradio.nyc. Are you a business owner? Do you want to be a business owner? Do you work with business owners? Hi, I'm Stephen Fry, your small and medium-sized business or SMB guy. And I'm the host of the new show, Always Friday. While I love to have fun on my show, we take those Friday feelings of freedom and clarity to discuss popular topics on the minds of SMBs today. Please join me and my various special guests on Friday at 11 a.m. on talkradio.nyc.
Do you run or are ready to open your own business? Hi, I'm Jeremiah Fox. I've been operating and opening small business for the last 25 years, and I'm the host of the new show, The Entrepreneurial Web. Tune in every Friday at noon Eastern time for insights and stories on the nuances of running small business right here on Fridays at noon, talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. We are back today. My guest is Councilman Booker, as well as Sharkeitha Miller, his mother. And I want to just ask you, Councilman, when I read your bio, your bio talks about you learning at an early age that you wanted to be committed to doing this work of really helping to raise others up to their fullest potential. What happened at around age 12 or so that you decided I'm just going to dedicate my life to doing this work? Well, you know, Dr. Avery, that's a, that's a, that's a really incredible question because um, it's, it's a question that made me have to reflect on, on my life and my journey. And um, when I think about what made me commit my life to social justice as set in middle school, um, it, it really started when I was seven. My mother give, my mother saying, you know what, every summer I want you guys to go to camp. I want, I want you to, I'm going to send you away to go to Virginia to see your grandparents. And then when I got to fifth grade, I had the opportunity. I got scholarships every summer because I would apply to, for these different private schools. So I was attending public school, and then I had the opportunity to go to Kingswood, Oxford in West Hartford, Connecticut during the summer. And then I had the opportunity to go to Loomis Chafee and when I was in seventh grade which is a private school in Windsor, Connecticut for six weeks. I would go there every single day. And then at the time I'm, I was also working at a pizza restaurant and my mother got me a job for where I was working 15 hours um, during the summer. Um, and my mother knows all this and, and I was getting paid to work behind the, ta- behind the table and going to summer school at the same time. And it was, it was such a great experience because at the time I got to see the disparities growing up in the inner city in Hartford, Connecticut and then going to Windsor, Connecticut and saying, geez, in my public school that is 99% Black, we do not have the same services or same resources that I'm seeing here at Loomis Shapey in Windsor, Connecticut. So I saw the way some of the opportunities that those kids had. They had fencing. They had rowing. They had golf. They had sports that I was interested in, 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 in playing, but I could never p- participate and play in those sports. I had all, only sports that were offered to me was basketball, football. I couldn't, I couldn't participate in fencing and lacrosse and things within that sort of nature. So then I began to see the disparities that existed. And I said, you know what, when I get older, I want to make sure every single person has resources and access, not just based off of your zip code. So mm-hmm. that's what, that's what that, that fueled my fire at, at 12 years old. So it's interesting because Sharkeitha really was grooming you without even having to say it every day that there are these disparities because when she put you in different situations that was showing you what's available to you so I really love it because in addition to you telling him this is the path to go you're actually saying you can have this as well but it also and I believe this comes from your family history of social justice you're Mm -hmm. also saying it's not just for you to have this and not give back. So Sharkita, could you talk a little bit about your, um, your mantra of giving back and how you instill the giving back ethic into your children? Um, the best way I can say this is I always use the hand analogy of you open up your hand, you receive a tight fist receives nothing. Mm. So you need to always think about there's always someone, no matter how much little or less you may have, that there's always someone else that needs a little guidance or assistance. 
-hmm. And even up to today, and Kevin knows, knows how I am. I do not second guess of what I can do for someone. Mm. I can be somewhere and somebody will say, oh, I love your pocketbook. I said, well, you know what? The next time I come, I'm going to bring you a pocketbook. Yes, you will. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not talking about a cheap pocketbook either. <laughs> but yeah. Because my whole thing is, is that whatever you need, um, why not give? Why not do for that person? Um, Kevin knows I just, I did something for, um, youth. I love to help the youth and I'm, uh, for some apparent reason, uh, I have teenagers that gravitate to me and always want to be with me. And, um, I have a 20 year olds that are uh, twins in Connecticut right now that they're, they're contacting me consistently about where are you moving to, where are you going? I, I miss you. And I'm like, oh, Lord, give me strength. But it's that because of the giving. You know, when their mom was sick, I would drive all the way from Tampa to get to them to make sure they were okay. And I had to drive them all the way up to Connecticut, which Kevin knows, and fly back home the same day, which was a lot, but I did it. But the thing is, is that people don't forget when you do. And it's not that you give to say I'm giving. You give because it's from your heart and people know your heart. Your heart can't hide. It just mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's so, I mean, you've, you've just actually said so much in there to, to unpack. And so I just appreciate the, the idea of we continue to keep giving back in order to help other folks mm -hmm. raise to their fullest potential, which is what Kevin is saying that he realized um, very early on in life, but that's because you modeled it for him. Mm -hmm. And you modeled it to say that just because we may be a people who are oppressed, we don't have to live in that oppression. We raise ourselves higher than that oppression. And I want to talk a little bit about Dr. it because I know Dr. that. Avery. Yes. Oh, yeah. I just want to say also by your, you know, when I, when I think of like my mother just said, people don't, people don't forget what you do. Right. Um, and talking about volunteering, I remember when I was 15 years old, and I remember this so clearly, um, I was in my art history course and, and classical magnet high school in Hartford, Connecticut. And one of my friends, his, his father killed his mother. So his father was going to prison. And one of the teachers said in class, we have no idea what's going to happen to this young man. He was never a close friend of mine. But I was really distraught by what happened. And I went home and I said to my mother, I said, mom, um, one of my friends, um, his, his parent passed away. I think his father will probably be incarcerated for what happened. My mother said, well, he can come and stay with us. Mm -hmm. And she took him in for an entire year. And the three of us lived in one room together. And she treated him just like us, made sure he had everything just like us. He was not blood. He was not even a close friend of mine, but my mother made sure he had everything that he needed. Mm. And what that taught me at 15 years old was the power of volunteering and giving. You don't have to have someone. Someone doesn't have to be blood. Someone doesn't have to be connected to you, but you just have to have that good giving spirit mm. and be genuine about it. And that's mm. something that I learned based off my mother modeling that behavior at such a young age, not just talking about it, but modeling that behavior. Mm, that is absolutely beautiful. I think we all just need to take a, a deep breath, even with that. But then also Kevin neglected to tell you that he had siblings that kept coming as well. And I had the siblings in and out as well. Mm. So there's somewhere though, Sharkita, that you modeled that it was okay for Kevin to come home and say, what can we do? Mm. Because it doesn't just say, what can we do if, if, they, if that hasn't been modeled for them? And what I hear you talking about in your stories after stories after stories is the importance of the ways in which we teach our kids about who they are mm -hmm. and about whose they are. And, for, and I know for you, from talking to you, that you have this strong spiritual connection, but whose they are in terms of the, 
the higher consciousness there. We're not here just for ourselves. Mm. We are all interconnected. And so I hear that in the stories that you all are weaving today is that in order for us to do this work or any work that we do, we must do it together. We must teach that we have to help the other. And so in that story of that young man who lost both his mother and father at the same time, you're learning about the interconnectedness. I must do something to help him. I must be woke. Because in Mm -hmm. order for us to do this work, we must wake up to what's happening to other people. And a lot of us just are not. We're self-absorbed. And you can't do this work or any other work and be self-absorbed. Now, I want to, uh, Mm -hmm. Kevin, you spoke about the volunteerism. And I know that you volunteer a lot now. Mm -hmm. Can you talk about some of the places where you volunteer, maybe just a couple of the organizations yeah, absolutely. So I volunteer for the Red Cross, um, where I do a lot of help with disaster work whenever there's a situation. Whalers helping whalers in New London, Connecticut, where um, I deliver food on Saturdays um, to a lot of the various families within my own city. Um, and then something that's been very um, life rewarding for me in the past four years is reading to third graders. Because uh, five years ago, I learned that when, you know, sociologists, they wrote, they came out with um, some research and said that, you know, they determine how many juvenile prison cells they should build by how efficient third graders, a third grader can read. So one of my friends challenged me five years ago and said, hey, why don't you volunteer at a third grade class and um, work with those third graders or second graders? And it's been rewarding and life-giving. So that's some of the work that I've been doing and I just love it. And just going back to my alma mater, going back to uh, working with the New London high school students and just, you know, the middle school doing morning announcements when I started off with the greetings and also every month, just shedding light every day on different cultural components. So volunteering is something I learned by my parents, by also my grandparents, people within my community. And it's something I will continue until the day I die. Mm. You know, we have to take a break, but when we come back, so our audience is listening to all these things that you are are doing, and we haven't even talked about what you do as a councilman, but there are sacrifices when you do this work. So when we come back after the break, I'd love for you to talk about some of the sacrifices with committing your life to this work of because we still are talking about dismantling racism when you go into all of these places where you're volunteering and you're helping with reading because you're helping to reduce the school to prison pipeline, mm-hmm. right? And so uh, I'd love to talk about that when we come back. We're going to take a quick break. This is Dismantle Racism. I'm your host, the Reverend Dr. TLC. Are you passionate about the conversation around racism? Hi, I'm Reverend Dr. TLC, host of the Dismantle Racism Show, which airs every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Join me and my amazing guests as we discuss ways to uncover, dismantle, and eradicate racism. That's Thursdays at 11 o'clock a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you a small business trying to navigate the COVID-19 related employment laws? Hello, I'm Eric Sauver, employment law business law attorney and host of the new radio show, Employment Law Today. On my show, we'll have guests to discuss the common employment law challenges business owners are facing during these trying times. Tune in on Tuesday evenings from 5 p.m. to 6 p.m. Eastern time on talkradio.nyc. Gateway to the Smokies. It airs on talkradio.nyc every Tuesday night from 6 p.m. to 7. Every episode is dedicated to memorable experiences in the Great Smoky Mountains National Park and surrounding areas. This show features experts and locals who will expound upon the richness of culture, history, and adventure that awaits you in the Smokies. Tune in every Tuesday from 6 p.m. to 7 on talkradio.nyc. Do you love or are you intrigued about New York City and its neighborhoods? 
I'm Jeff Goodman, host of Rediscovering New York, a weekly show that showcases New York's history and its extraordinary neighborhoods. Every Tuesday live at 7 p.m., we focus on a particular neighborhood and explore its history, its vibe, its feel, and its energy. Tune in live every Tuesday at 7 p.m. on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. are back with Dismantle Racism. I'm your host, the Reverend Dr. TLC. We've been engaging in a dynamic discussion today with Councilman Booker and Shurkitha Miller. And before the break, I talked about um, sacrifices that we all make when we're engaging in this work. Whenever I'm teaching my courses on dismantling racism, I ask the participants to think about what they're willing to sacrifice to engage in this work. And so I ask you today, Councilman Booker, because I know that you do a lot of trainings as well on uh, diversity and inclusion and just really the ways in which you live your life. What are you sacrificing to do all of the things that you're doing to help, you know, raise individuals to their fullest potential? Mm. No, Dr. Avery, that's a, that's a really great question. Um, when I think about the whole idea of sacrificing, I would say about 20, 22 years ago, uh, I remember being on a city bus and riding through Hartford and looking at the city where I grew up and things that I've encountered and watching the same cycle just continue on. And when I started volunteering in the camps, you know, I would meet a lot of students. When I was trying to find, figure out my passion that way, I said to myself, geez, you know, a lot of the kids would come up to me and say, you know, Mr., I never had the opportunity to speak to a, a man. Um, I never had the opportunity to ask questions about how to, how to deal with, um, how to prepare myself for college. How do, I, how do I interact or go to a PWI, a predominantly white institution? Should I lose a sense of self? Um, and, and, and how do I navigate through that and still be myself, my authentic self? So during, that, during this course, um, in my life, you know, I sacrificed family, having my own family, um, in order to really commit myself fully to this fight. And, I'm, and I've learned along the journey by reading my history and learning about my own people and learning about my own plight, that many of us had to do that um, in order to continue on this legacy and this journey. Now, some of us are fortunate and blessed to be able to have a family and be able to continue to work. But um, I sacrifice family a lot. And a lot of times I also sacrifice opportunities financially and economically um, in order to continue doing this fight. When you get into education, um, you may not receive as much money. There's been times where I didn't receive any money. I was only making maybe 20 something thousand dollars a year trying to work and working three to four part-time jobs. But I was still dedicated to the cause, still dedicated to making sure that I could uplift and empower my people. Not just my people, but also educating others around who are not from my community to understand that we, have, we need to build these bridges so that their children can also be leaders in a global society. So, you know, I, I love the work. I love the fact that I made these sacrifices. I will continue to make these sacrifices because this is what I'm passionate about. And I always think about the former president, Nelson Mandela, when he said, education is the most powerful tool you can use to change the world. And that's why I continue to embody the sacrificial motive or, you know, um, ideology, because it continues to help me to persevere and move forward. And I was also taught this model throughout my life, through my family, my parents as well. Yeah. And so even with you making that sacrifice, it's also a sacrifice for your mom too, because you've chosen that this is your work mm -hmm. and that you're going to sacrifice having a family of, of your own, or at least for now. For now, right. But that, but that also means that 
it's a sacrifice for her because you know all most moms are just can't wait until they get those little <laughs> grandkids and people like that. And yeah. so now, but 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 she has multiple grandkids in her life now through the kids that you mentor mm. and the kids that you've chosen to father in a different way. Correct. And that also comes from her modeling mm. because she showed you at age 15, we bring people into this home. That's when I learned it. They become, yep. uh, as, as you said to me, uh, family is not just blood. You know, he thought he was educating me, Sharkita, when we were talking. He was like, family is not just blood. And I said, yeah, I got that. I got yep. that. But that's because we're in this culture. We right. understand you know, I do want to just, because we only have just a few more minutes left. I want to ask you really quick, quickly, um, because you're a councilman and you've seen the politics, what do you think is needed to create more awareness for uh, local government around our youth and racism and, and that sort of thing? Absolutely. You know, thank you very much for that question. What I would like to see um, is a pipeline. So like a a way you can have students on the middle school level, I think it needs to start early, really like fifth, sixth grade. Because um, when I think about myself in fifth or sixth grade, you know, I was really interested in, in, in learning about local government and other things as well. So you need to have a pipeline where kids can actually follow, maybe come in after school, um, do a one hour a week um, where they can sit down with a local elected official um, or a state official and follow them, sit in a committee meeting um, where they can begin to learn. So by the time they're 18, 19, they'll have an understanding of local government, the structure of checks and balances. Um, and then I think that will also increase more people who have been historically disenfranchised in positions where they will run for elect, they'll run, run to be elected officials. So, but we have to start creating that pipeline now not just in the city of London, but throughout the state of Connecticut, throughout the nation. So we can start having more individuals who are aware of the power that exists within their own town or city. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. that's what I would like to see um, throughout the country. Mm -hmm. and, and are there any particular things that you notice when you're traveling throughout the different cities, cities excuse me, around black right issue or people of color issues and whites what are you what are some of the biggest disparities or incidents that have happened yeah so it's interesting so recently um you know when i think about think about just about just just in new hampshire let's take new hampshire for example the state of new hampshire the state of new hampshire when you go on a tour at the state capitol there they do not have any elected officials, black elected officials or people of color who have been elected in the state of New Hampshire. So you look at Portsmouth, you look at Manchester, you look at Concord, right? Just those three particular areas in New Hampshire, no black representation, no minority representation at all. Manchester, New Hampshire is 15% minority, 85% white. No one on their city council or town council is an elected official that is black or brown, period. Portsmouth is where black people built a majority of those homes in New Hampshire. There's no black or brown representation there. So I'm just using New Hampshire as an example because that exists throughout the country. Right, right. So that's something that we need to begin to see, that shift. Because who is representing people who look like you and I at the table, you know, if they're not in those positions of influence. So we're so grateful that you are in those positions of influence and that you will continue to strive uh, to higher goals. We are out of time here today. And I just want to look, just let our audience to know that actually Councilman uh, book, excuse me, the councilman has three books that will be coming out. Right. So, we don't have time to list all of those oh. books, but you can tell people how to learn more about you, to uh, be in touch with you so they can learn more about the books, the work you do, uh, political aspirations, et cetera. Yeah, so I have one book that's coming out. Um, I'm going to co-author on a book, Emerging Men. Um, that'll be out in January with Tara, Tara Hall. 
um, which is a great book. Another book is a children's book that will be released also in January as well. And then I'm also working on a morning announcement book. So um, it's a workbook. So I'm really looking forward to these three projects. They're going to be very empowering for many people on all different levels. So thank you very much, Dr. Avery, for having me on your show. Ma, I love you as well. Thank you so much for everything well, and giving me the tools to be able to move forward. I thank the both of you for being on the show. I just want to tell our guests to tune in to uh, um, Dismantle Racism every week. And if you want to know more about me or any of my guests, go to sacredintelligence.com. We have just a couple of seconds. So, uh, Kevin, could you just please end with I Too Sing America? Yes. I Too Sing America by Langston Hughes, 1925. I Too Sing America. I am the darker brother. They send me to eat in the kitchen when company comes. But I laugh. Ha, ha, ha. Eat well and grow strong. Tomorrow, I'll sit at the dinner table when company comes. Nobody dare say to me, eat in the kitchen then. Besides, they'll see how beautiful I am and be ashamed. I, too, sing America. Uh, thank thank you. you so much. Thank you so much. We'll see you next time on Dismantle Racism. Be well, be encouraged, and be blessed. Bye for now. Did you know that nearly one in five adults in the U.S. battles mental illness? Hi, my name is Albert Dabba. I'm the host of the show Extra Innings. Extra Innings, I discuss the topics of wellness, mental health, and the experience of surviving multiple suicides within my family. Listen live every Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern to Extra Innings for discussions with sports figures, artists, mental health professionals, and many others. That's Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Hi, I am Joseph Franklin McElroy, host of the new podcast, Wise Content Creates Wealth. It airs on talkradio.nyc every Friday afternoon from 1 p.m. to 2. They say content is king. Well, wise content rules the world. Every episode features tools and tips for content marketing and business people telling the wise content stories of that success. Tune in every Friday from 1 p.m. to 2 on talkradio.nyc. Do you love or are you intrigued about New York City and its neighborhoods? I'm Jeff Goodman, host of Rediscovering New York, a weekly show that showcases New York's history and its extraordinary neighborhoods. Every Tuesday live at 7 p.m., we focus on a particular neighborhood and explore its history, its vibe, its feel, and its energy. Tune in live every Tuesday at 7 p.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you passionate about the conversation around racism? Hi, I'm Reverend Dr. TLC, host of the Dismantle Racism Show, which airs every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Join me and my amazing guests as we discuss ways to uncover, dismantle, and eradicate racism. That's Thursdays at 11 o'clock a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Have you ever thought of reinventing yourself? Are you looking to create a new life's journey? Hi, I'm Kevin Barbaro, host of Coffee Talk XL every Tuesday night, live, 8 p.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Tune in live to hear me and my guests from a variety of different backgrounds. As a former college coach and a current full-time actor and owner of multiple companies, my show is as eclectic as my life. That's Coffee Talk XL every Tuesday night, 8 p.m. on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower.